it's just a matter of being open to your weaknesses. Like, I know I'm not the most skilled player in the world yet. I know there's a long way for me to go before I hit I hit a quote ceiling or peak. So I got to approach every single day that way and be grateful because not many guys have the opportunity that I have and then be in the position that I'm in with the franchise that I'm with. Up Basketball is proud to bring you Mental Buckets, a show about professionals in sports, the stories behind their careers, and the mental toughness needed to get to the next level. This podcast is sponsored by Up Basketball. Through basketball, we strive to develop hardworking and mentally tough individuals who understand their potential is unlimited. For more information on our basketball skills training, check out our website, upbtraining.com. And I'm Packy Turner, player development coach and co-founder of Up Basketball. And I'm Mike Franco, the mental skills coach with the Dallas Mavericks and Texas Legends. On the show today, we have Grant Williams, a Charlotte native who played his college ball at Tennessee, where he was two-time SEC Player of the Year. He then was drafted by the Boston Celtics in the first round. I met Grant right before the draft. He spent two months with me in Santa Barbara preparing for the draft. One thing that always stood out to me was his work ethic. On the day of his graduation from Tennessee, he elected to work out at 4.30 in the morning in Santa Barbara before his flight back to school. That was a clear indicator of who he's going to be as a pro. The fact that he was willing to get up and do that and get out of his comfort zone just to make sure he got, took care of his business showed me exactly who he was as a person. You're going to hear in this podcast some stories about his times playing in AAU, how he ended up at Tennessee, how he plugs in and fits with the new Boston Celtics team, and how that role has changed from college to today. And what I really took away from this interview with Grant is you'll notice he's very curious, he's very resourceful, and he's got an infectious personality no matter where he is, whether it's at AAU, in college, or his first year in the NBA. He's figuring out ways to put himself in a good position to succeed. So thank you for listening and hope you enjoy the show. And also, if you ever catch Grant Williams in a Chipotle, know that it's on him. You'll hear more about that during this pod. Backing it up, so that whole the whole process for you, I mean, you came out after your third year, two-time SEC Player of the Year. Last time that was done, I'm sure you know the answer. When was it? Clarence Weatherspoon? 19-something, 1998, 6? <laughs> So like pretty decorated uh, college career. What was your process for coming out? Like, what did you, you were graduating too. So that made it maybe a little bit easier. Yeah. Yeah. I made it super easy when it came to it. It was either I was going out and I had a feel a feeling that I was going to be in the range that I wanted to be, or I was going to come back and get my master's degree. Cause I do remember even when you had come out to Santa Barbara and we were doing, you know, some of the pre-draft stuff, there was still a chance that you were going to go back. Right. I was paying for everything. I was like, yep, I'm still still a chance. What was it that made it for you clear? Remember, I was walking the roads of Chicago, and I called <laughs> Coach Barnes, and I uh, told him I was staying in the draft. I had a chance to maybe going back and doing something special and doing things that hadn't happened in forever. Like, say I gotten – like, I was always like, oh, I could go back and three-time player of the year in a row, only pistol peed and – think Bernard no not even Bernard King Shaq or something like that somebody had, that had done it and I was like oh I could do this and do that be the only back-to-back All-American like all this and I was like do accolades really mean that much to me like so that's what that's mm-hmm. that's kind of how I looked at it. I said honestly I could care less about three-time SC player of the year I could care less about 
doing this. The only thing I would want to go back for is really the national championship, and that's not a guarantee. Yeah, so look at that. Looking forward, there's, looking there's for- not even a chance to play for one. So good call. Exactly, great call. I said, <laughs> in this moment is when I was like, wow, I made the right decision, right? <laughs> I could have, I could have been in college right now and not have a pre-draft process, maybe and stuff like that. Out of high school, it was looking like Harvard and Tennessee came in late. And was it Rick Barnes who kind of swayed you, or was it? Uh, I remember you told me you were really close with one of the assistants as well. Uh, so what happened with high school is I was really debating Yale, Tennessee, and then Harvard. Like, Harvard had six guys coming into the class already. And I was just gotcha. like, I don't know if that's a, that's a, that's where I should be going because I barely even – I think I had one conversation with Coach Amaker in my recruiting process. But the biggest thing was I had no really certain – or really guarantee at Tennessee or anything of that sort. So, like, I came into Tennessee with understanding that I would have to work for everything and that I had a long ways to go. And I knew athletically it would help me get to a point where, I, where I'd be able to be successful. And Coach Barnes wasn't going to take it easy. Like, I barely knew Coach Barnes. I knew Coach Oliver, Desmond Oliver, yep. who was our assistant coach, who was at UNC Charlotte, recruited me for four years. When he got the job, I trusted his word. I just went with it and trusted my gut and wanted to stay close, similar close to home and have the opportunity for my grandparents and my, my family to see me play. All that stuff happened at Tennessee. I'm seeing a pattern already, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're you with the way you make big decisions. It seems like you kind of trust your gut on things. Yeah, I would say I trust myself. Like I, I pray on it as well as I make. I typically make an informed decision. I try and not only gather as much intel or information about what would happen one way or the other. I weigh my pros and cons, and I also try my best to surround myself with people that are going to tell me the truth. When I was deciding with the NBA. I wanted guys to tell me what I need to improve on and if I should even come out. Like, I wanted them to be straight up. And I surround myself with people that told me. A lot of people told me, yes, come straight out. Like, you may you might be able to develop, but how much can you improve when you're going back to college? Sure, you might be able to improve your jumper a little bit. You might be able to, but if you don't make a historical jump, going back for your senior season typically hurts guys. I was like, yeah, that, that's a valid point. And sure, you could draft it higher, but is it the right position? that you want to you want is it the team you want to play for is it the location is it the the type of situation that's best for your your plan ability you don't want to lose understand what you're going back for and what can all happen so in all honesty my gut has got guided me well so far in life yeah that's that's important it's not you take a lot of elements from it you know you take you take the people you trust you it's it seems like you have a good framework for decision making yes which helps a lot in the long run Definitely. You uh during that whole process too, I remember when like when we first worked out, your approach is something I really liked. Like one, you come, you put your hard hat on and you get to work, but also like you have fun with it. You know what I mean? Like you you enjoy the process, you enjoy being in the gym. Um, and that's when I knew like, oh, you're gonna be fine, you're gonna have a long career, right? Cause uh I was told that you might be coming that way for pre-draft so I you know was doing my homework looking at everything and it was like okay yeah you're you're built like a tank um and I felt that early on I remember we went through one drill and I was just like all right yeah you make a little contact here and you sent me across the gym (laughs) you see some guys sometimes that aren't quite ready to really like do it because they they've gotten that success one way but you really got it by just by working you weren't afraid to shy away from it. And when we had to work on things that were a little bit uncomfortable or your jumper and, and like fine tuning things a little bit, like your openness to it all, that's what told me you're going to be a hell of a pro. 
Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing. I always say how you approach a situation will determine the outcome. So I knew I wasn't – I know I'm not the perfect player. I know I have a lot of things to improve on. I know this summer it's going to be huge for me to not only develop my ball handling skills but also be more comfortable on on the perimeter. Like my whole thing about the pre-draft process was as we, we went through it, it was about being able to knock down a consistent shot like we worked on every single day as well as being more comfortable on, on, on the outside because that's what I'd be playing a lot more versus back-to-the-basket game and uh, strength and that sort. So – I remember we worked on a lot of that and also screening and being able to shoot off of screen. So it's just a matter of being open to your weaknesses. Like I know I'm not the most skilled player in the world yet. I know there's a long way for me to go before I hit, I hit a quote ceiling or peak. So I got to approach every single day that way and be grateful because not many guys have the opportunity that I have and then be in the position that I'm in with the franchise that I'm with. I like it. And how do you adjust to the day-to-day life of an NBA player? And and I guess I'm talking more so off the court where, okay, you got to find a, a good place to live. How do I keep my body right? I have a bunch of people at the gym maybe telling me what to do and how to do it. But how do you filter that out and find like a system that works for you? Are you a morning workout guy? Are you a stay after practice guy? Are you both? How did you, I guess, navigate those type of situations while still trying to find your way as a player? The too? biggest thing was trial and error for me because I was so used to working out so much that I kind of had to be reeled in. And now I'm like, I would consider myself working out not enough in my eyes. You have to understand the balance between the length of the season. So they wanted to get that in my eyes. Like I can't be working out every five seconds because it's 82 games. You don't want to get exhausted. You don't want to wear your body down. And you might be able to probably be in the playoffs. So it's more than 82. I had to figure out that early. So I became, instead of doing morning and after and all this stuff and coming back at night, I ended up being a after practice and film in the morning. So rather than training my body in the morning, I would sit down and watch the film of the previous couple games or, or, or the last game, especially as well as offense and defense. So there was, just moderation in that but now where you have nothing to do especially and there's no games being played this is the most uh, critical time especially if the season picks back up to stay active and to stay aware because you don't you may not have a chance to warm back up and and when you when you experimented with that did you look at other guys and how they did it did you seek their advice or did you just go full-on hey i'm just gonna try some stuff out and see what sticks so I remember we just started try, trying things out. My coach and I, Brandon Bailey, we just honestly were just feeling it out. We were saying, all right, we're going to do a stay-ready workout because next thing you know, you might be on the bench for 15, 20 minutes, and then you have to go in the game and shoot 23s so, or whatever many threes. So we would sit there and just literally watch everybody working out and just watch, and he would just be like, oh, you're in, you're in. He would smack me or something like that, and I'd be like, oh, crap, and so I have to get up. Like, we could have been had mid-conversation, and he'll just stop the conversation and be like, you're in. It's basically training you mentally that this is my this is how your game will be for a little while. You, I'm not going to be a guy that's starting and playing 30-some minutes on this team yet because we are very talented, and also it's it's going to take some time. So, and develop the trust with the coach and develop trust with your teammates and yourself So, and understanding the game. So, having that stay-ready mentality was huge, and we just – thought of that because that's what Steve Kerr, I think, used to do, he said. So he gave he, I kind of just been bouncing feedback off of him and asking him what we can work on, what we can do to get better. I remember the entire beginning of the season, I was getting beat in switches and also beat in closeout situations and, and delayed and not being in my position. So we literally, after practices and after before games, we changed our workouts from 
all right, we're going to shoot these threes, do this, do this, and work on offense to we work probably of the 20-minute workout, 15-minute workout before the game, we spend nine minutes probably doing offense and then the last 11 working on defense with a shot at the end. So rather than running around shooting threes or layups and stuff like that, we would out start in the elbow and just close out, guard a coach who come out and help, and then next you know I space back out for three. That's kind of similar to what I'd be doing in the game. So and that's where I saw a dramatic improvement in my, my defensive ability for the rest of the year. Right, and especially on the team you're on, you know, I don't know – what your team dynamics are, but on a surface level, it seems like the quickest way to earn that trust of a coach is through your defense as a first year player. At least, you know, when you're out there, you can guard. Right. It's, you got to be able to do certain things. It's like a base skill set for um, players. Like your coach has to understand that. Yes, you are able to defend because your job might not be to shoot the ball. You might be out there for four, five minutes and not get a single shot up. So you have to do something else and find a way to impact a game without having the ball in your hands. So that was my thing of, okay, defense is huge, especially for this team where they're top whatever defense in the league. So I have to be able to guard, and that was the biggest thing. I would be able to guard big men, but I wasn't able to switch on the perimeter like I needed to. So I couldn't – it limited my ability to play certain positions. So I told myself I didn't want to be a liability anymore. And that's why I decided to work and – to improve and um thankful that progress has, has got the best better of me and got me better and from now on hopefully i'll continue to do the same one thing that like i think average fans don't really pay attention to or don't realize is how big of a change in role you've had i mean you went from literally tennessee you know your usage rate is through the roof the ball's in your hands right if tennessee needs a bucket <laughs> the ball's going to Grant Williams. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you, uh, the, the ball's in your hands. You're, you were the second most efficient player in college basketball last year behind Zion. People don't realize that. And now you're on a team where you got Kemba, you got Tatum, you got Jalen. Like, you got guys who can go, and you're not touching. Like, even just the touch right. might not come to you in the same way. Like, yeah, you might get it on a reversal, but it's not like a touch in which you're used to to find yourself. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, that's, why, that's so, where in the beginning of the season definitely had issues because – you're trying to find your way offense. And I remember I was playing a hot potato in the beginning of the year. I was just getting – I wasn't even looking at the basket. And I was just passing it, set a screen, yeah. and sure, it was working. But it wasn't – probably. we probably could get better. Like, there was times where I'd be wide open, wouldn't shoot, and I would get a tougher shot for somebody else. It might go in occasionally, but it's not the better shot. So, I definitely figured that out over time. And that's why I'm thankful that the NBA season is so long because you're able to work things out like that. Honestly, yeah, it's different. The role people I always laugh when people say Grant Williams can't do this and Grant Williams can't do that. I'm just like, hey, it's not my role to do this. <laughs> exactly. If it was my role, you'd have more opportunity to be able to do something. Like we have a lot of guys that are got on our team that are capable of doing a lot more than what we necessarily do on the court. But we all understand that in order for us to succeed, we all can't be the thirty point scorer. We all can't be the guy that's taking every shot every game. We have to rally behind the guys and make those guys better that are. So for me, I, I yeah. know that Jason's been a talented scorer and stuff like that. So instead of me taking 15 shots a game, sure, might be efficient some games, may not, but I'm going to do whatever it takes now and make his job easier on both ends of the court. Same with Kemba, same with Smart, same with Jalen and Gordon, all on the like. Yeah, and I remember, like, you guys were early in the year, you guys came out and you played the Warriors, and the day after, remember, you came and worked out. And one, 
that just showed like who you are, like you, you want to work and you want to get better. But also I remember us talking about it and it was just like, man, it's different. Like the touches aren't the same. Like I gotta, I gotta get used to just a whole different feel. Right. You're, you go from used um, to shooting contested fallaways and, and pull-ups and all this stuff to now where your only shots are wide open. So it's like, you're just, your whole view changes. <laughs> you're like, what? Like I'm getting a wide open shot. And at the same time, it's like, it should be easy. They're like, I'm not, I'm not even used to shooting wide open shots. I ain't shoot wide open shots my entire career. So like, yeah. The thing is, like now it's like you have to program your mind to say, this is a great shot. Like it's open. Just you don't have to go find a contested one because that's what you're used to. <laughs> yeah, and you don't got to be mad that you're open. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so part of you is like, damn, like guard me. You know, but, but there's <laughs> a reason why. Like they'd rather you shoot it than the other guy. So it's like, <laughs> oh, make them pay. Like this, that, that's kind of how the motivation is. Like. Dang, like they can't, they're leaving me because, oh, well, if Kemba's shooting a wide open three, I'd leave me, I'd leave me too. It, it was interesting because it, it took you 20 games to hit one. Yeah, it took me close to, I think it was 23, 22 games to hit a three. I went like 0 for 26 or something like that because, and I think a lot of them were wide open or 0 for 20 something. And I was, yeah, and the one you hit, your first one is a off the dribble. Contested follower. Man, yeah, man goes <laughs> under the screen <laughs> right at the break. I was like, Okay, so like, but it was you in your field, right? You know what I mean? Like that—that's you, and you're used to a little bit of having that. So it's one of those things where it's—it's it's about finding that balance. And when I think back to the pre-draft process, a lot of what we did was try to get you in settings where you know it's just catch and shoot. It's quicker. You're moving into it. We did a lot of movement because you're—you had to move, right? You're going to set screens. You're going to be moving, and then it's like catch, and we got to be able to score. Right. Grant, you got a lot of self-awareness. Where—where where do you think that comes from? Honest, just say if you're honest with yourself, and then that's how you succeed. You, that's how you get better. If you tell yourself lies and you're trying to be something you're not, you set yourself up behind because next thing you know, you're doing things that make you look bad. I would say. So I know that I'm good at this and that, and I'm gonna do that to my fullest advantage. Because I remember in my pre-draft process, in some workouts, there were times where I would just go back to what I was good at, and it's like they draft there, they brought me here because of what I was good at they didn't they know I can improve they draft me they're gonna draft me for this reason IQ is it's a lost art man and that's that's probably your best attribute I think as a player is your IQ and your ability to to just think the game just like that like even in the pre-draft process to have the awareness to go hey I can't go away from who I am just because I like you are working on these other things that everyone wants to see but there's time to showcase that. Right. And it's not supposed to be a finished product right now. Right. They're not they're um, not gonna change their entire view on me because I hit eight threes or something like that. They're gonna be like, Oh, maybe you can shoot a little bit, but they're gonna they're not gonna think I'm a elite shooter by one one workout. They're gonna go back to the film and be like, Oh, maybe it was just hot. Like I remember at Utah, I think I shot like the best in the workout. I think I made like seventy out of a hundred or something like seventy something out of a hundred or sixty seven out of hundred, something like that. And the next best after me was a guard who shot like 60. So they're like, hmm, maybe you can shoot or maybe that was just a hot workout. I got a question for you. You're one of, what, four rookies? Romeo, four, we got Carson, four drafted. Taco. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious, though, because you guys also have such a like a, a veteran-heavy team, really. A lot of guys with a lot of experience in, in, in a number of different ways. Um, you've got guys that have played overseas on your team. You know what I mean? Like, you guys have a very well-rounded team, I feel like, from just, like, 
overall everything they've been through. Right, and we're all pretty young. It's kind of crazy. Like a lot of guys have played multiple years overseas, but are like 26. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. What is that dynamic like for you guys um, and for you specifically, like, you know, for you rookies? What's that experience like for you? For a guy that talks as much as me, it's amazing. Because <laughs> I get to learn about how different the league is overseas versus how different the league has been here. Like the younger guys and Jalen and Jason can talk about their experiences so far, and as well as Tice and Brad Wanamaker and those guys have been overseas. And then Vassan just got over here this year. And then you got the rookies who are kind of going into a new each other. Like we're learning and growing together, and hopefully we can expand our roles over time. Who who do you feel like? Is there anyone, you know, outside of Taco, you guys clearly have become pretty close. Um, is there any of the vets that you've built like a pretty strong relationship to that you go to a lot for a lot of advice? Smart. I go to Smart for a lot of advice just because we kind of are similar in how we view the game and also how we make impact. And mm -hmm. also Gordon, because Gordon does a good job of keeping you level. He's, a, he's I don't think I've really seen Gordon go crazy like. I've never really seen him spat like yell at a referee. I've never seen him get hype after a dunk or anything like that. <laughs> he kind of just like the old man that just knows the game. And it's funny because he's not even the oldest on the team, but he he seems like it because of how he carries himself. Like he's, I think he's twenty nine, about to turn thirty. Like that's that's still young. Like he's only eight years and nine years older than me, but it feels like he's forty, fifty. <laughs> That's fair. Is there is there maybe a piece of advice, and if you can share it, great. If you can't, all good, too. Is there something that's kind of stuck with you in your first year? If I were to think about something, it's just about how dedicated – it's more so what I've seen, how mm -hmm. dedicated guys are. Like Kimba gets in and does a workout before games where it's like most guys wouldn't do that on a day off. It's, it's, it's unreal to see how the stars got to be who they are, how hard they've worked and how they continue to work versus the guys who are content – satisfied for where they where they where they're at you know what i mean yeah so like you you get to see that and gordon i remember in the summer when i first got here he'd be in in the gym at 6 a.m lifting and then work out and might be done by eight because he has to get back to his family like not many guys are getting up that early to work out i kind of looked back at it and I, was, I would show up and there was one time i actually did workouts with gordon and i was like wow this is this is unique like he reminds me of people that i've been around like i remember in college like i would work out multiple times a day and i'm just like I'm thankful to have guys who are passionate enough about basketball the same way as me. Yeah, and, and and you're not the first person to say something similar to that, whereas like on a first year, you really can see what working hard means and a different levels of hard work and how other guys show that example, like the stars or the guys that have made a long career for themselves, where it's like it almost makes you question, am I really working as hard and as smart as I can? Honestly, the be best advice that I've gotten really has been from a guy who who's been in my life for a while is Chris Paul, just because he actually is a guy that so dedicated. He sees the game, he sees the game better than some coaches in my opinion, because he'll notice like things like on the clock, he'll be like, he'll go for some people go for triple ones. He'll go for three for twos. Like, yeah, like he'll, he'll see one minute left on the clock. He'll start sprinting up the court. And you're like, why did he take such a quick shot? Well, he just got an extra possession before a two for one. Now he has a two for one in that. Like that's, it's just unreal how, he says he just watches and views tendencies. Like he watches so much basketball. Before, I remember when I first got into the league, I was playing video games. I was watching TV and stuff like that. 
and I wasn't really watching other people play. I was watching our opponent. Like, if they had a game or something like that, or we played them next, yeah, I would be watching them. But then I was like, I talked to Chris, and he was like, yeah, I watch every game every night because you never know. Like, you might see a set. You might see something this. You might see that. You might see some, a guy who necessarily likes playing off his right hand a lot more. And in the scout, he s- sets everything up for his right, but you can actually understand his tendencies. Like, maybe after a second dribble, he – likes to attack or he likes to shift to his a crossover, like just understanding who you're playing against. I'm just like, wow, that's that's dedication and that's passion and it kind of changed my view. And then next you know, I'm starting watching games, watching film. I'm watching years old highlights. Like I'm watching stuff like I'm like now I'm getting prepared just in case we play Phil or sorry, Indiana to guard a guy like Sabonis or a guy like Miles Turner or Malcolm Brogdon and Victor Odipa. Yeah, it's it's no secret why some guys are still having success, and it almost feels like Chris Paul is still maintaining such a high level, which is crazy. You know, it doesn't matter if he's on the Clippers, OKC, he's still doing it. Right. You uh, you started your relationship with him because you played for his AAU organization, right? Yes. How? Who else was on that team with you? Harry Giles from the Kings, Josh Kogi from the Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, Ian Boyd. Uh, Alter Gilbert, who's at UConn, who's a point guard at UConn. And we were, I think we were probably, I think, in my opinion, we're the most talented CB3 team of all time, but some people would argue that. <laughs> uh, maybe Theo and those guys would argue because they won Peace Jam, but uh, we we definitely had a lot of talent on that team. What I'm wondering, like, when you were that age, like in high school, when did it click for you that, like, this, you could do this? <laughs> my junior year. I didn't really, I yeah. played basketball for fun all the way up to then. I didn't really develop my passion and love for the game until probably my junior year of high school, which is kind of like I kind of wish it started earlier because maybe I'd be more advanced in certain abilities. But I kind of am thankful just because, like, I remember my junior year and I was playing against Harry and playing against – or not, sorry, my, going into my junior year, I was playing against those guys and I was competing. And I was like, yeah, maybe I can hold my own. So, like, maybe I can take this further than what everyone around me expects because no one really expected me to be where I feel like where I'm at now, ever. Mm-hmm. Let's go uh, some some quick hitters from from Grant. Go-to video game right now. Call of Duty. Okay. Uh, go-to Netflix show. I finished all of them, but I just finished All-American. Uh, go-to lunch. Chipotle. Yeah, and uh, how did you get that card, man? I, I had to bring I'm it up. I was going to say, you know that. You know that Chipotle <laughs> is my go-to lunch. But uh, I got it because, you know, I'm just always – for one, I was there every single day. So, like, people like the people at Chipotle were like, if you don't have a car by now, like, they started giving me free Chipotle then because I was there so much. Like, I was there enough to where they remember my order, my name, and all. Okay, and so for everyone who doesn't know, this card we're talking about is, like, the black card for Chipotle, right? I've heard of a few guys in the league having them. Victor Oladipo definitely has one. Um, I've been pushing Aaron to try to get one for a really long time. I need one. And uh, mainly, you know, because I was going to just take it. And then I told Grant, I'm pretty sure we had this conversation during pre-draft because you were tagging them on Instagram all the time. And I said, hey, when you get one, you know, you got to get two, basically. Yes, you and, did say that. And I wish yeah. I could pull that off, but <laughs> I don't have that pull yet. Hopefully I can get to a point where I'm LeBron in the league and I can have to pull like that. But That's what I'm hoping for, too, man. I'm, until I'm, riding, then, I'm trying to ride that, the, those coattails all the way to a free Chipotle car. That's all I want, man. <laughs> That's all I want in life, no matter what. Yeah, so lunch is forever on Grant um, for anyone in the area or anyone that goes to lunch with him. Don't ever don't ever pick up the tab. If you're at Chipotle, it's on G. Tying this all back together from yes. the start of our call, are you still doing any type of mental skills training or meditation 
in your year? I actually am using I debated using Calm or or the um other app. Um I think it's free. Uh, what's what's one provided by Oh, Headspace. Free? Headspace. There we go. Headspace. And I've used Headspace a bit of recent just in terms of meditation as well as sleep aid, but um it's something that I've actually been interested in because if you can control your mind and understand like that's how I kind of I love mental training and I read David Goggins book can't hurt me and it kind of gives me a better insight on how how he views the life and his and his world and how he pushes himself and that's kind of how I how I started to approach not only workouts but life in general because I remember I was working out one day and I was feeling terrible I was tired I was not feeling great and my coach said, you don't have to work out today if you don't want to. Like, you can go home, da 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 And I said, no, like, if I can work out now, then weeks from now when I'm feeling bad again, I can work out I can work out then and, and understand what, I, what mm-hmm. I'm going through. Rather than giving up, going home, and just relaxing, I was like, I can challenge and train my mind to fight through adversity and fight through those times. Because next thing you know, if I'm sick during the playoffs, I better be able to play. I'm not going to take off then. So, um just programming your mind and also understanding that control of yourself before you can control the things around you. I love it. That's big. That's big. Last one for me. If, uh, if you, you know, I know you're not that old, but you are pretty wise (laughs) for your age, I would say, but if you had to tell like high school, you one thing, you know, if you were going to give yourself one piece of advice, um, what would it be? Work even harder. You think you're working hard and you think you're, taking care of yourself you're not um do a better job with your diet and work hard on the court as well as in the classroom because you have a lot of success coming your way if you do i love it i love it g big thanks to grant williams for coming on the show you know he truly is a stand-up guy uh i don't like to think that I have favorites, but I do know I enjoy being in the gym with Grant Williams because of uh, his approach to it and how willing he is to work on his weaknesses, how open he is to the reality of his game. Um, I'd say he's a, a truth seeker and that from that standpoint, he really gets it. If he's not good at something, he wants to get better at it. If he's great at something, he wants to become even greater at that. And that shows, as you heard in the pod with how he seeks out information from Marcus Smart or Gordon Hayward. Like those are clear indicators of a, of a young player who's willing to take big steps to get better from taking care of his body and seeing what guys do to seeing all the extra work Kimba puts in or Gordon Hayward does, seeing all those things and him taking it all in. It just tells me Grant's going to be in this league for a very, very long time. And I've, I've been appreciative that I've been able to be a part of it. Our show is produced by Ellie Lieberman and Bianca Turner. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Mental Buckets, at Pat Turn with three T's, at UPB Training. Special thank you to Bennett Christensen for the beat and Jordan J Squared for the sound engineering. <laughs>